And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about New York Times Audio, a new iOS app for New York Times new subscribers. It's got our show, plus other great podcasts from The Athletic, exclusive shows, narrated articles, and more. New York Times Audio, download it now at newyorktimes.com slash audio app. All right, everyone. So we are starting this week's edition of The Athletic Hockey Show with some breaking news. An insert, we should say. Uh, we finished recording the show, went our separate ways, and walking the dog. News comes. Uh, Kyle Dubas is out as general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we're hopping back in before the show actually begins to break this down very quickly. Uh, so the news came from some insiders just a few moments ago, and the team has released a statement as well, uh, making the news official. Uh, so the Leafs announced that Kyle Dubas will not return as general manager of the Maple Leafs next season. Uh, Brendan Shanahan announced today that the club has decided to part ways with Dubas. Dubas's contract is set to expire on June 30th and he will not return. Uh, quote, I would like to thank Kyle for his unwavering dedication over these last nine seasons with the organization, including his last five as general manager. Kyle fostered a great culture within our dressing room and staff and consistently pushed to make our team better season over season. We wish Kyle and his family the best moving forward and thank him for his valuable contributions. Sean, do you have a mm -hmm. thought on the news that Kyle Dubas will not return? In Toronto, and I think the the almost kind of hidden note there is that 
it says that we're the like Leafs processing this in real to, time too. <laughs> totally. And as right? I'm reading through that, you kind of notice and start to underline the club has decided to part ways with general manager Kyle mm-hmm. Dukes. <sighs> it's I think not the cool. longer I think the longer we went from his presser mm-hmm. a few days ago when he said I'm either going to be the GM of this team or I'm not going to be doing anything next year we're three days out from that now or whatever the yeah. longer we went without hearing anything definitive in the way of his plans regard, or, or the Maple Leafs plans for him I think an outcome like this became more and more likely. Like, was I surprised to see Elliot Friedman pop up? To, uh, he, because apologies if he wasn't first. I, I assume he was certainly the first person I saw mm-hmm. with the uh, with the scoop. Was I surprised to see that? Maybe initially, and maybe mm-hmm. briefly, but this makes sense. I'm not. I you, you can't you can't say you were shocked because he kind he came out and got about 50% of the way to this a few days ago, right? Where he's talking about the stress on his family and and uh, and that end of things. You combine it with the fact that this team underachieved again and has underachieved consistently despite the work he's done and despite the fact that, you know, there is a wild amount of talent on that team. They've had a wild amount of regular season success. Uh, this was a, it was a, they're in a tough spot and something needed yeah. to change. I don't yep. know if this is the right. I don't know if this is the the right top line. I don't know if they're a better team now than they were six hours ago. I don't know if they're a better organization now than they were six hours ago. I think that's the question. But something needed to happen, and this is a big, big domino to fall. Yep, absolutely. And I think, as you said, it's not totally surprising. Although there were some reports from Elliot that they were working on an extension, but then those conversations had stopped. Um, so it's tough again, as we're kind of talking about this in real time, like, did it stop because of his presser? Did it stop because something Kyle said in those conversations? Did it stop from something, uh, from the tippity top of (laughs) MLSE or somebody else came down and said, nope, you know what? It's that's enough. I think, you know, the, the Leafs were a better team with Kyle Dubas as the general manager. Like they took steps. They did good things. The playoffs, the playoff success, the playoff results were not there. Like unequivocally, we know that. I think everyone can agree on that. Um, was this year Kyle Dubas's fault? I think that's a bigger conversation for maybe once everyone's digested this. Like, yeah, he's the one that decided to lock in those guys, those contracts. Like, he did kind of create some of the cat mess, but he also did well with what he had this year. He made the changes necessary. He adapted. Um, he changed right. the way that he was building this team, right? So I have, I thought Kyle Dubas did a good job, um, but I think at the end of the day, you just kind of hope he can, like, as a human, you hope Kyle Dubas can just, like, get the... <laughs> Get the rest, get the sure. removal I mean, from sure. it. And, you know, I'm sure that's somebody who's going to be back in the NHL once he gets a year. He uh, That's not the last we've seen of Kyle Dubas. He just maybe needs some time to chill after that. It was his It was his organizational decision to go into a season with Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray as the goaltenders, right? Like it was, it was his, for better Samsonov or worse. Samsonov wasn't the reason they lost, though. Kyle Dubas... As the general, as the main decision maker in that hockey ops department, 
does not get to take credit for every good decision that's made in skate on the bad ones. It's just the way it is. And and that and that that's I don't that does, I don't mean that to sound like accusatory or or, or whatever sure. to him. That's no, just totally. the nature of being a boss, right? Yeah. That's the way it goes. So if you look at all the things that they've done right in the roster as it stands and the way it's been built out over the last couple of years is are is the good stuff like directly attributed to him Ab- absolutely but also yeah. this is a team that got embarrassed in the second round again and I, look sir we we spent you you guys are probably about to hear it 15 minutes gassing up Sergey Bobrovsky right mm-hmm. he was unconscious in that series if he's a, if he's a little bit worse is the outcome different yes but he wasn't and they lost and they lost in five games so and, and so that's just uh, that's kind of the, the nature of the thing right the other the other part here that i think is worth is worth um noting i don't know that i necessarily agree with this from a player standpoint but you hear guys say it when they when they get older and maybe it turns into a year by year Mm-hmm. Uh, decision as to whether they'll return or not, but it's not something you hear from um you hear from you from coaches too. It's not something you hear necessarily from from general managers. Yeah, they right. needed like a reset, or that, or when someone's openly like, "I don't know what I want to do." Like, do I do yeah. I want to be here? Like, because that's what I he was. I appreciated that from Dubis. Totally, totally, but. If you apply, if you take that logic, and, and you and you and I've I've talked to players about this. I've I've we've all we've all heard it. A popular kind of refrain is like, once you start thinking that way, you're already you might already be done. Like if if you need to convince sure. yourself to come back, and and if it really is a difficult decision, then that may have already answered the question. And does that sure. apply to general managers? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think it applies to anybody in any field. If you are that conflicted about whether to continue doing a job or or to or to continue on in a place, a lot of times you're already telling yourself what your move should be, and mm-hmm. maybe that was maybe that was Dubis's decision. Maybe it was mutual. Maybe it was more one sided because again, you picked up on that wording in the in the statement. I think that's important. Yeah. We're gonna have some answers answers from Bre- from Brendan Shanahan in a little bit less than three hours here because we're talking yep. about this. It, 1219 on the dot eastern mm-hmm. and he's going to speak at three so we'll yep. find out more eventually but Oof. They, the, 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 the shoe dropped this morning baby and i think leafs fans were expecting it i'd seen a lot of leafs people on twitter saying like all right is today the day like it's been really quiet what's going on like who's going to be the gm next year who's going to be the coach because there's a lot of unrestricted free agents on this roster. There's a lot of very important contracts coming up. Austin Matthews is up in a year. He's already said he would like to have that sorted out like this summer. Mm-hmm. William Nylander's coming up in a year. Um, there's a lot of work to be done in Toronto. So now the big question is who's going to be the one that does it all? Is it going to be Brandon Pridham? Is it going to mm-hmm. be somebody internal like that? Is it going to be somebody external? Like, they need to get this right now. Dubis is out. Like, oh, thanks, Captain Obvious. You got to get the new hire right. But it it's very, like, there's a lot of work to be done, and you need the right person in that seat. Is it going to be an Eric Tulski, uh, Brad Trilliving, who's t- apparently, you know, according to reports, not allowed to interview until his contract yeah. is up on June 30th, which basically says good luck next year, Tree, which is ridiculous. 
um, or you know, adds, some other external comp- candidate. And it adds competition to the hiring process for specifically the Pittsburgh Penguins because that uh-huh. is a team, and I know, and I, and, and I don't mean to sell short the Calgary Flames, who are also looking for a general manager, right? The Penguins probably, are looking to spend money. It sounds like mon- the betting favorite is Conroy, but yes. F- right. Fenway Sports has cast a big net, and they want to spend money, and they want to hire two guys. I shouldn't say two guys, two people specifically. Sure. Yep. They, they want a president, and they want a general manager. Mm-hmm. So you have two executive spots in Pittsburgh that need to be filled. Yeah. And now you're talking about the GM of the, of the Toronto Maple Leafs yep. uh, job being open. Yeah, they're probably well. there's gonna be a lot of crossover. There's probably mm-hmm. they're probably gonna interview Ooh, some smaller candidates, I'm and the certain, price is gonna I go am up. Certain That's there why will I be. Yep. I haven't even talked about the potential of Tulski in Calgary because it's like there's no like no, Tulski's gonna get a GM job this year. It's gonna be somewhere that's probably gonna pay him. Uh, a lot more than the Flames might. Um, so yeah, that's the big news today. It opens up a lot of questions. Who's going to be the next general manager of this team is the obvious one. What's next for Kyle Dubas? That likely gets kicked down the road. Hey, maybe he does a full turnaround. Maybe he ends up being the GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But as of last, Who knows? You know, last week, a couple days ago, he said, I need a break. I'm not going to do that. Um, what does this mean for Sheldon Keefe? The rest of the bench. Um, what and does a lot it mean the, for Austin Matthews? Yes, that. Yes. <laughs> what does that mean for the guys Baby. who were, you know, drafted, had their contract signed, have been working with Kyle Dubas? You know, who wants bigger mm-hmm. tickets this summer? Uh, so lots to dig into. That was with that Toronto was done this too. The Maple Leafs lost a week ago. Like that's mm-hmm. when they were eliminated, right? And it continued dragging on. And it continued dragging on, and we're now seven, a little bit less than seven actual calendar days away from away from the moment they lost. It's going to be interesting to see if we ever find out exactly what the process was like and exactly what the last seven days were like. Because again, I just keep coming back to the fact that the moment you say that, if you're Kyle Dubas, you're telling us something, yeah. and it's one thing to say it ap- immediately in the wake of a loss, right? It's another to sit there and sleep on it and then sleep on it and then sleep on it a few more times. Like at, at, a, at a certain point, you can imagine them being like, all right. Or, or him being like, all right. <laughs> at yeah. some point, you need to want to do the job. And, and, if, and if that's not a place that he could get to after, after all the stress of, of the last however many years of his life, I couldn't blame him. But it's May 19th, you know? Totally. Um, so we'll, we'll have lots more to talk about with that in the coming weeks uh, on the show. I'm sure the Monday show will be able to dive in a little bit more on that because the Brendan Shanahan press conference is coming out at three o'clock. Uh, we'll be back next week so we can dive into this more next week and throughout the summer. Lots of questions coming in Toronto. Uh, this is the end of our little insert, uh, the previously recorded version of the athletic hockey show is coming up next. Uh, this actually gives us a great time to give a shout out to actually somebody who pointed this out to me. We ha- we talked about the OT winner, the four OT winner from Matthew Kachuk. And I did not, I failed to mention that that was a thry day goal. I'm ashamed. I'm disgusted with myself. A game uh, and yeah, a goal Matthew that Kachuk. started on, <laughs> in, a, in a day, a game that started on Thursday and ended on Friday. Scored by of Matthew Kachuk, nonetheless. Yeah. This is Friday. the this is peak Thriday. Thriday boy twosies. 
And Love shout it. out to uh, a Twitter account. It's at Marley's Moore. She pointed this out Here to me. Go. You said one could even say that he had a Thriday goal. You're absolutely right. Thriday King, Matthew Kachuk. Uh, you can catch the rest of the episode uh, coming up next. And welcome everybody into the Friday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Haley Salvian. It's Sean Gentilly. Uh, I think I was up watching Panthers Canes eight hours ago, seven hours ago. I'm not sure. It was a long one. I'm not sure. Sixth longest game ever. I feel great. I'm rested. I feel wonderful. Maybe don't make fun of my calculus. It's just, you know, pretty easy. Pretty, Pretty easy minus. You are like you are you are clearly clearly banged up. Like you're you're as tired right now as Alexander Barkov is or Sergey Bobrovsky is. I understand. These are marathons. They're difficult to work to work your way through. I was committed to I was committed to the whole thing. I hit a point where I was like, if this goes to four OT, I'm out. I don't care. That's so stupid. Yeah. And four OT happened. I was like, well, I'm already here. I'm not going to leave. <laughs> um. Yeah, that was wild. It was the sixth longest game ever between the Canes and the Florida Panthers last night. Matthew Kachuk wins it with 12 seconds left in the fourth overtime. So we almost got a 5 OT. What can't Matthew Kachuk do, I say? He rescued us Score from... against the Leafs. Oh, well, well, guess what? <laughs> Didn't really matter, did it? What are the Leafs doing right now? That was um, the most frustrating part about that whole thing. It was just like, Matthew Kachuk does a zero goals against the Leafs. Like, right. But he's whole, about to go to the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, so. and he did a whole bunch of stuff before he played the Leafs too. People's <laughs> people's careers don't start the, <laughs> the first time they play the Toronto Maple Leafs in, in, in the playoffs. Like, yeah. come on. Um, he did a lot of people a, a favor last night. Not he did Laz a favor. How like Laz is. He's. I can't believe Mark Lazarus stayed awake in the press box for all of that. He's like the first guy to talk about, you know, falling asleep on the couch at at home. He's like he's in full dad mode with that, right? Where he's he's like I he's like nope, pulling the plug. And he was talking last night in in our little Slack about how, uh, about how about how amped up he was, how keyed up he was. He was he was in top form. But that being said, I don't know if I would have trusted him to make it. Make it, make that it was like through a game to five OT or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the game was great. Um, I mean, obviously, once you get into the seventh period of of play, it starts getting a little slow, starts getting a little sloppy. There were some like little bursts of speed, though. I know Laz it's led his story yeah. with the Seth Jarvis. Like he got like a little burst, gets behind the D, gets a good look on Bobrovsky, and he. And Bobrovsky made the save as he did all night. And Seth Jarvis like didn't even have the energy to like look dejected about it. It was just like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go back to the bench now. That's uh. always what that's always what it is, right? It's like you get you see guys with have these little bursts, but it's not anything sustained. Like even even Kachuk's celebration, he scores and Yeah. Points to the door. Let's go, let's he's go. Like, let's let's go. go. But also even like those guys I want to lie down. 
those guys making their way towards the door or towards the glass. A they're, couple of them fell, I think. Like, did they just like uh-huh. collapse to celebrate <laughs> on the ground? I was like, wait a second, what's happening over there? I wish we got like an ISO cam on whoever just like lied down after Matthew scored. Um, so this was, I, I think, yes, Matthew Kachuk gets the game winner. He's mm-hmm. the the hero in the moment, but that was a Sergei Bobrovsky game, right? He's been doing this so since good. he got given the the keys, I guess you could say, in the first round. And this is like a couple weeks ago. This was like the Alex Lyon conversation, like, "Ooh, so fun! Look at what he's doing." But yep. Sergei Bobrovsky took over the crease at the right time. Obviously, Paul Maurice made the decision to you know, make the swap. It was the right one. And it continues to be the right one because Sergei Wabrowski has been unbelievable. So the Canes, according to natural stat trick at all situations, generated seven point, just under 7.25 expected goals at all situations. The Canes scored twice. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, this is. And again, this was a three, two, OT loss after seven periods of hockey, the sixth longest game ever in the NHL. Um, yeah, three two three two hockey game. The goalies were unbelievable. Like um, the shots were sixty five sixty at the end of the the game. I mean, Bobrovsky made sixty three saves. Freddie Anderson made fifty seven saves. Like they were both unbelievable. Freddie Anderson in the so loss had a nine fifty yeah. save percentage. Like I at at one point I was like, I, I don't I don't want anyone to win because I would feel bad <laughs> for both of you, you know. But also somebody wins so you can stop playing. It was wild. I, I haven't so stayed bad. up and watched a game like that in a while. I feel so bad for the goalies at the end of at the end of games like that. Always, right? And that. That's one of those things, y'all. I, I feel like everyone always remembers the losing goalie's performance in there because invariably, you know, because it's just the the way it goes, when games last that long, save totals are going to be completely out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, But, man, I, I don't know. I, I keep going back. I keep I do keep going back to Bobrovsky. Like, I, I watch yeah. the highlights, his highlight reel on the, on, the NHL's, on the NHL's YouTube page. It was like five minutes long. He was trying to like single-handedly like r- like ruin Sebastian Aho's life last night. The amount of times where I thought yeah. Aho was gonna seal it, <laughs> but Bob Ross, and he, was like, "Uh, uh-uh. he did it from the start too." That's yeah. the other thing is that Carolina had unreal chances really throughout the game. Like there, yeah. he had that stop on Jack Jury on a on a feed from Kotkaniemi. Yeah, at the end at the end of a power play. I think it was like a weird quasi, not like a breakaway, but those guys, those guys were in by themselves. Code Kinyemi kind of like gathered a puck and did like a spin pass to Jury, and Jury had yeah. like he, it was a snipe, right? Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't make a better shot than Jury did. It didn't matter. Yeah. Natchez in 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 the third. Did you see that? That one was that one was unbelievable. So that yes. game doesn't get to overtime without Bobrovsky being totally unbelievable, and he's emerged really as. <laughs> is he the Kahn's my favorite? favorite? He's, yeah. he's got to be. He's got to be. Especially with the Panthers up one nothing in the series. Right. He had his he had that one kind of shaky game against Boston. One. And since then it's just lights out. Right. He led the he led the league in goals saved above expected coming into this round. 
and he just tacked <laughs> five five more on in that yeah. in that game one. He's been unbelievable. Yeah. And it's a compelling narrative too, right? Because he's the ten million dollar man and he's we've seen he's been How long medio- have we been trying to replace Bobrovsky, right? For cause too. Yeah. This isn't he's not being treated unfairly. Like this guy hasn't been you know, he certainly hasn't been worth $10 million and he probably hasn't been worth half of that for most mm-hmm. of his time in Florida. Yeah. He's the biggest reason that they were, along with just gold, their goaltending in general, yeah. he's maybe the biggest reason that they had to hustle to make the playoffs in the first place. <laughs> right? Sure. Like Alex Lyon had to bail him out because of the work that he'd done in, in the beginning part of the season. So like... But that only makes the narrative more compelling is that Sergei Bobrovsky, after constantly, really since day one, it feels like having someone nip at his heels, whether it's whether it's Chris Drieger or whether it's, you know, Spencer Knight, Alex Lyon. Now, there's always been valid competition and valid reasons to maybe think about sitting him down. And now the dude looks like a world beater. His his career just fascinates me. The start in Philly, like ev- everything about it, I, it's he's a compelling guy, and he's had a compelling arc, and now it's game after game after game, him getting the job done and really bailing the Panthers out, because they're if he's not if he's anything less than spectacular against Toronto, that's that series is completely different. Yeah, I mean he had nine goals saved above expected in the Leaf series. He was a brick wall, like he was impossible to to beat, and I mean. It's almost like you get too past Bobrovsky and he's just like, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> like he's kept it. He's kept it locked down. He was unbelievable last night. Um, after long games like this, obviously the goalies come to mind. The game winner comes to mind. I mean, it's Matthew Kachuk. We've talked about him a lot on the show. I had the big profile piece, uh, mm-hmm. oral history type story come out about him. And the thing that, you know, it's a good time to have one of those in the can, by the way. Totally. And I, after the game ended, I was just like passed out. So I didn't even tweet like, hey, look who got the game winner. Hey, I wrote about it. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I mean, how, many people, how many people do you think? Are yeah, just read that imme- immediately. <laughs> like Kachuk scores. Yeah. And whoever stuck around was like, all right, Let's that's it. Let's go read this. <laughs> um, to, yeah, right. His game winner stands out. It was interesting because there were a lot of people who, even Panthers fans who were like, all right, Matthew like didn't really do a whole lot in the second round after game one. But I think the story that that I did um, with Jeremy Rutherford, um, one of our St. Louis writers as well, part of what makes Kachuk compelling and valuable to your team is even if he's not scoring, he's doing a lot of little things mm. that that add value, whether it's trying to stir it up, whether it's just getting to the net front and screening the goalie, it's blocking shots, it's making hits, things like that. So I don't think he was like bad in the Leaf series by any means. I just think that if you're not watching who scores the goal, you're going to miss a lot of that stuff. And also he had five assists. He had like more points than, than anybody in that series. It's so. just sour grapes from Leafs fans. That's no, all. there were Panthers fans who were like, we need a little bit more from... From Kachuk. They were even yesterday during the game, they were like, okay, like where's Kachuk? And I think the Canes did a really good job at neutralizing the Kachuk Cousins Bennett line. Mm-hmm. But then obviously you get into 7 OT, they get a rush chance and Kachuk's on the doorstep. Make no mistake. I mean, and Freddie, the goals that beat Freddie Anderson last night, mm-hmm. not to hop around off Kachuk to, to Fred, oh, that's but fine. 
the Barkov goal to open the game. Oof. He, I, he's almost, ah, God damn it. I almost like, he's almost gotten into like the underrated territory during this playoffs, during the playoffs. No, people are not talking about Barkov. They're talking about Kachuk and Bennett and Bobrovsky. Barkov was not on the ice for a single five on five goal against in the second Mm -hmm. round of the playoffs. And he was matching up against like one of Toronto's top two lines on a nightly basis, you know, like. And he's scoring goals like that. Like it almost, it was in the first round where it was like, well, Barkov didn't produce a whole lot, but you can get it because he's playing against the Bruins' top line. Right. But you would probably love to get a little bit more of the offense that comes from Alexander Barkov as well. And like it looks like they're, they've unlocked that where he can have the defensive prowess and then he can also produce offensively. And that opener last night was gorgeous. Freddie had no chance on that. Yeah, I he's his play is one of those things I think that sticks with you coming out of those coming out of these games. We've all seen you know, two, three, four overtime games over the course of our lives. And there's something about that moment where you, like I we talked about this off mic and I was about to refer to it like we talked about it, you know, 2 minutes ago or something. But like I covered a triple overtime game in 2012 between the Caps and the Rangers. It was the first NHL playoff game I ever covered. It was it was in DC. And even still more than 10 years later after a really long career that's seen him do a lot of crazy stuff, win Stanley Cups, whatever. The first thing I think of when I see Ryan McDonough is that dude played 53 minutes in a three-overtime hockey game and blocked eight shots and looked the next day like he'd just gotten in a car crash. That is still without fail. In and I, when I, if I see him in a lot, if I see him in a locker room, if I see him on TV, whenever I read a story that involves him, whenever he went from Tampa to Nashville, my first thought is Ryan McDonough played 53 minutes in a triple overtime game. Mm-hmm. And that's why these games are great is because they have those takeaway memory, those like memory making performances that we just associate with guys for the rest of their careers. And we saw one of those, we saw one of those last night. I mean, my, my God, I, as a kid, the penguins, every couple years when I, when I was a kid always seemed like they ended up in some sort of marathon against one team or another. Peter Nedved, right? Scored a uh, uh, scored a huge goal against the Caps. Darius Kasparaitis scored a, scored a big one against the Sabres. Keith Primo beat the Penguins in, I, I believe it was a, <laughs> it was a 92 minute long game in, in 2000. Ew. And you just, and if, if you're invested in those games or if you're watching them on TV or whatever, there's something about that stuff that just crystallizes for people. And it's cool to watch those kind of moments happen in real time. We got some of them last night. It's fun. Brandon Montour is the big one. If you're looking oh, yeah. specifically at the ice time, you know, Barkov played a lot. He played like 45 minutes, uh, but Brandon Montour almost played an entire regulation. He played 57, 56 last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was all over the puck. He he had a good game too. Um, there were a couple good chances he had that again. Freddie Anderson didn't let sneak by again. He was he was excellent. Um, he you know didn't the ESPN, play. You know the ESPN broadcast stole a line that I used about Brandon Montour a, a couple weeks ago. Did did you know? I told you about that. What that was you? Yeah. 
<laughs> they were talking. Yeah. Were you joking or were you yes, like, was... oh, that was a joke. Wake up. Drink fist, some more coffee. Let's go. Up, Get moving. That was me. Um, yeah. Sean made the point about how if Brandon Montour was a Canadian in a no, if Brandon Montour was playing on a Canadian playing market a, and his name market. could like rhyme with the Norris trophy, then he would get a lot more Norris uh buzz. And when I said that, people corrected me and said it could be Brandon Montouris, which it's true. I don't I was wrong. It's it doesn't kind of it doesn't work as well as Josh Norrissey. No. Brandon Montour M O N T capital just o, reminds cap- me of some kind of like fantasy creature from harry potter <laughs> Min- minotaur it's close a to being a minotaur brandon montaurus brandon montaur he's from it's narnia montaur is pronounced the same way but it's spelled o-r-r with a capital o-r-r i don't know what you're How's talking that? about bobby Orr, brandon montaur <laughs> that's disrespectful number number, number four brandon montaur <laughs> <laughs> when i worked for the also fun here's a fun little trivia for you this was the interview question i had when i interviewed with the oshawa generals i was the in arena host there for a number of years it was my first big nhl job well it was it was hockey sorry not nhl that was dumb what number did bobby Orr wear for the oshawa generals was it four no that's a trick question it It was number two trick question yeah it's a trick question it was number two that's number number two bobby poo sean that's disrespectful (laughs) It's not him. Some just some guy named Bobby Poo. There's probably someone out there named Bobby Poo. Stop. This is like when you call Florence Pugh Florence <laughs> Pugh. <laughs> it annoys about. me so much. She's a great actress. Stop she saying is. that. She is. Florence Poop is definitely one of our great young actors. <laughs> I don't even know what I was talking about. Doesn't matter. Oh, Brandon Montour. <laughs> You have to keep me on track. Um, he had That's eight shots. That is not the dynamic here, and you know it. Uh, in his 57-56 played, he had eight shots on goal, three blocks, only one hit. Hmm. Uh, and he was a plus three, so he wasn't on the ice for any of the goals against, and he was on for all three of Florida. So he's having a great playoffs as well. I thought Carter Verhage was really good. Last night as well, he continues to be. Barkov had a two-point night. Duclair had a two-point night. Uh, Again, Kachuk, he gets the game winner, though he was a little bit quiet before the game got to that point. Ratko Gudis, um, he's so sneaky in the way that he's able to – like it's the little cross-checks after the whistle. In the Leaf series, it was the stick hold. Like he's – obviously, he's obvious in his physicality and a lot of the things that he does. I mean, he had 12 – he recorded by NHL – um, stats, 12 hits last night, uh, which was a game high. Um, but there's lots of little sneaky things that he does that that could be a problem for guys in the Canes. Looking at the Canes in terms of, you know, the big minutes eating players, the, yeah. the big one for me is Brent Burns. Um, he wasn't that far off of Brandon Montour's TOI. He mm-hmm. played just under 55 minutes. <laughs> Brent Burns. Old man. Ten Brent blocks. Burns. Ten 
shot blocks. Local elderly man, Brent Burns, at the ripe somebody, old age of 38. Somebody check on that man this morning. 10 shot blocks in 55 minutes played and eight shots on goal. Crazy. He's walking this around is with like, a backpack somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you, you look at the result here and like you don't want to draw too much out of out of a single game, right? But uh, that was the kind of game that people, I think, were afraid. Maybe not afraid, but people assumed the Canes would have more of over the course of this playoffs, right? Where it's some degree of puck dominance, creating a ton of quality chances, and just not having the the juice necessary to get stuff over the finish line. It's a preconceived narrative, and it's something that people came into the playoffs thinking, but there's also an element of truth to it, right? Where you watch that, and you're like, oof, this is maybe what stopped me from picking the, the Canes to, you know, make it make it out of the second round. I might be, and I might be over, maybe I'm but over But I don't think it was, this, be, it like, was a lack of their offensive production why they how lost much this of that, game. It was Sergei Bobrovsky. How much of that was, and, and you watch more of this than I do, than I did. How much of that was about Sergei Bobrovsky? Like, what percentage would you I think it was a, individually give to Sergei Bobrovsky versus and or luck versus the Canes not being a particularly good finishing team? It's hard to criticize the Canes for not scoring mm-hmm. more when the goalie that they were up against played so well. I mean, there were definitely moments where it was like, oh my God, finish that. Like there was a moment, um, yeah. I don't remember if this was an OT or if it was in regulation, but Jordan Martinuk, it was it mm-hmm. was shorthanded and he's the perfect like Rod Brindamore guy. He's first in on pucks and if he's not first, he's right on your heels and he's digging it out and he's winning that puck battle. Um, I've been working on something, so I've like been very dialed in on the Kane systems yep. and what makes them successful. And yes, it is that first been. in element and they battle so hard and they consistently are able to outwork and out battle their opponents. And I still think that they were able to do that last night, despite the fact that Florida is really good at that too. I think there were maybe mm-hmm. moments in the game where Florida started to take over in that sense, particularly in the end of the game. I thought Florida ended up getting a couple more you know, quote unquote rush chances because it's not really a rush. You could tell they're tired, but I think Florida started out playing them in the in the seventh, seventh period mm-hmm. of this hockey game. Just a little bit though. Like I think if you look at a lot of the expected goals or the shot share, like the Canes were out playing Florida. I thought the Panthers played really well last night. But again, I go back to the original stat. The Canes generated over seven expected goals last night and only scored twice. I think some of that is the lack of finish. But I think a lot of that, when you watch, though, like I can say that stat and you could be like, hmm, what happened? Watch the game and it's Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. But the the example I was going to when I'm talking about Jordan Martinuk was he cut in shorthanded. He gets in first. He gets a really good look at Bobrovsky and he just like missed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just sailed like high and wide. And you're like, ah, hands in tight. What happened? So there is that that's, finish. And there's there were moments the where they stuff. got clean looks on Bobrovsky. And yeah, you miss wide or he Jordan, makes a save. Jordan Stahl hit a post at one point in totally. one of the overtimes. Like, 
Yeah. So if that goes in. If that goes in, we're having a completely different discussion today, and nobody's saying a word about the Canes' lack of finish or whatever. It's just. But can you blame a lack of finish when both teams have over sixty shots and you've played seven periods? Like at some point, it's not a lack of finishing ability. It's holy shit, they've it's played just, yep. this long. long it's of a exhaustion game. and good goaltending. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm just I'm just spitballing here. And again, part of this is just confirmation. You hate by, the Canes. Oh god, don't even don't even go into that, please. Don't <laughs> don't bring that up. I don't. Um, part of it is for sure confirmation bias because we've said ad sure. nauseum to the point of where I actively have tried to stop saying it. You know, that without certain guys at the top of that lineup, then, you know, is there is their finishing ability where it needs to be to compete consistently, right? In in a in a playoff series. I don't sure. want to keep fall I don't want to keep falling back on that. But it's also real to some extent, and when you and when you see some of the chances, you mentioned Martinuk when he's just gets in tight and you know yaks a little bit. That's the sort of stuff. That I was like, oh, that's the <laughs> stuff like that. that happens where you're like, oh boy, that's right. I I remember why people were kind of down on this team coming into the playoffs, and then confirmation bias, right or wrong. That's something yeah, that, I wouldn't. That's something that's on my mind this morning. Yeah, I personally wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go back to like, it's, it's been one game. It was a really long yep. one. And it was really totally. good. That was two teams fighting for like every dang inch. And I mm -hmm. think there's some people who watch that game and they found it boring because yeah, the Canes dump and chase a lot. That's their style and it works. That's why they win because they dump it in, they get on the puck first and they get sustained offensive zone time. They don't That's make a of ton those, of mistakes. I don't know how you can really... People, uh, there were people who found it boring. I'm I like, know. these two teams were so evenly matched. Like, even if a lot of the game is played in the trenches along the outside, like battling for pucks and stuff like that, it was it was entertaining for me. I think this, like, I didn't watch that game and think, oh boy, Carolina's in trouble. I watched that game and I thought, oh man, like this series is gonna be a freaking battle. And it's still, I it didn't change my opinion that it was gonna go the distance. Do I worry about Bobrovsky being an issue for Carolina to beat? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But they ended up, like, the thing is, is it wasn't a problem when they were playing against the Islanders. And I know that these are two different teams, and I but we're looking at Sorokin, right? And the Canes found a way to just win those games like 2-1, 3-2. It didn't matter that they weren't scoring eight goals against the Islanders because they could limit the Islanders to one or two. And that was that's how they found some success in that first round where people were like, oh, they're going to get upset because of Ilya Sorokin. So it's right. almost a bit similar flashback to the first round of the playoffs. Um, but it's against Bobrovsky in the Panthers. Um, I think it's going to be a fun series still. It didn't change oh, my mind I, on things. Absolutely. I, that's we don't even need to I'm, we don't even need to go down that road. I was very tired of people acting like this is some. Boring you dump know, and chase. Some, some, that some on some, that the on ice product and this one was going to be anything other than other than fun. It's ridiculous. I'd love to we know what the TV to, ratings were last night. I don't. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I don't care. Shut you're down. Final four. Bad for hockey. You're setting. You're setting me up to be mad here. I don't appreciate it. You know it's going to be fun today. We'll see what happens. They'll probably do like a hotel availability. That the the players. God knows they're not going to practice. The fun part about these games is when you sift through and realize what the guys did to recover and then what they ate last night. Because it's funny, like it it's funny it's been funny to see how that changes where it's like they're talking about bananas and, and yeah. bars and all that stuff. I very, very vividly remember 
my dad used to he worked at the arena where the melon arena where the penguins played oh there was, rest in peace r.i.p and there was some mega long playoff game back in the day where in between like in between overtime periods they were eating pizza that they got from from cafe milano across the street and taking the cheese off because that was the only thing that they could that that's how you know that's how uh primitive like nutrition methods were and in fueling methods were where it was like oh god we're professional hockey players we've just played our second overtime what do we do have pizzas waiting for us and we pick off the cheese and just eat the dough and that's what's going to get us through through the next period so it's like to see from Laz and everyone else covering that story is like you know how these guys how these guys recover from that because that's going to be a story in this series moving forward right to start things off this way is just oh, oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's wild. Yeah, and I think if you're see. the if you're the Carolina Hurricanes, you'd probably rather lose game one like seven to two than lose in <laughs> yeah. an OT like that. Seven seven to two in sixty minutes. I'll I'll I think I'll take that. Right, over, like it's over. easier to go back to the drawing board after getting pumped than it is to lose in quadruple overtime i keep wanting to say three overtime and i know that it's not four ot anyways i think that's good for for the game last night i think we spent a chunky amount of time on it chunky what else are we going to talk about man like there's there's only there's only so we can't go over that was me trying to go to break sean yeah we can't go over the coyotes stuff again we need to talk about the actual games right like the one like the one tonight I didn't suggest coyotes. We're going to talk a bit about Vegas, Dallas, I guess, because that's what Sean just said. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so we just went pretty deep into the game from last night. Panthers, Canes, seven periods. 4-0 team. Matthew Kuchuk gets the game winner. If you're interested in Matthew Kuchuk, you can read my story at theathletic.com. <laughs> Learn Open about where he gets his edge from. According to those who know him the best. Um, the game God. tonight, though. God. I'm falling apart. Yeah. Get it together. You're the one that started talking about Florence Poop. Florence Poop. Yeah. Anyway, performance in... Little Women, Florence Poop. I do love that movie. That is one of my that is one of my safe spaces. Even though it's quite sad. <laughs> the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights they uh, kick off the Western Conference Final tonight. You guys had the power rankings come out this morning. Um, yeah. 
obviously the Florida Panthers number one because they got the win last night. And then you got two, three Dallas Vegas. Uh, and then poor sweet Carolina is number four. I assume it's just because the other two teams haven't played yet. You don't know who yeah. has the edge. Those are the breaks. Um, Those are the breaks you... when, when you're the only team out of the last four that's lost a game. It's just, sure. you know, it's, it's maybe not fair, but that's the way it goes. What do you make of that matchup? I love it. I've I've said it. I've said it before. I that's one. I'm so psyched for everything about this. Like it's got star power at the top, right? With Eichel, Stone, Marchessault is producing now after being close for the, in the first part of that Oilers series, right? He's a great interview, by the way. I don't, I don't know if I said this in the Tuesday show. Or you not. talk I'm about like, that all of the time. I I can't remember. I I don't. There's too many. Mark too many Stone, podcasts. great interview. He is Jonathan Marcheseau. Good interview. I'd never, I'd never really talked to Jonathan. I went before. to Vegas last week. <laughs> I also went to Edmonton, so whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm kind of worried about Jake Ottinger. Why? Concerned. Why was not good against Seattle. What? Not great. Was not he wasn't. Look it up. <laughs> you explain. You can't just throw heat like that. What do you, What do you mean? I look. I think. I think Jake Ottinger versus Aiden Hill is the biggest advantage that. I mean, honestly, it's the biggest advantage that Dallas has in this in this series. That's true. We love Jake Ottinger, American goaltender. I I hope to God that we get to watch Jake Ottinger in a best on best tournament. Mm-hmm. Someday, maybe. Mm-hmm. <sighs> he was bad against Seattle until games until game seven. Eight sixty five save percentage. Minus eight point two five goals saved above expected. It's not gonna work against Vegas. He's gonna need to consistently maybe not be at the level he was in game seven, but Six ga- and and also of those six games, it wasn't like some uneven thing. He was consistently pretty meh. He's not going to have that luxury against Vegas. He can't be whatever for six for six straight games and expect it to work out because of the guys they have at the top of that lineup. So I love Jake Ottinger. Credit for Game Seven because he was unbelievable, but in the series before that, he wasn't good enough. And if that carries over. Things will get a lot more interesting than we anticipated, and the gap between between him and Aiden Hill will be uh, smaller, certainly smaller than Dallas would like. I took a bit of Jake Ottinger's play in against the Kraken. It was a bit more about the guys in front of him at times, and I'm not like a goalie hugger. I'm not someone who's always going to mm-hmm. blame other people, but when he got pulled in game six, he got pulled in the second period, and, and Saad did a good job breaking down like Ottinger in that round two, and kind of looking at like that was a bit of a chess play uh by Pete DeBoer. They go down four to one. Mm-hmm. Um DeBoer pulls Ottinger and it, like he wasn't the main culprit for for them being down that much. And it was like kind of telling the team like, hey, you let <laughs> you need to be better in front of Ottinger. And then obviously that worked out in game seven because the team was much better in front of him, but he was way better in game seven as well. So I don't feel I don't feel worried about him. I mean, he was 17 seconds away from a shutout in game seven. Um, I think when the lights get brighter, he steps up. So I feel like, you know, maybe I'm just being an Ottinger super fan, but I feel like he's going to be okay. But I do think 
like what you're saying is right though having a mediocre first six games against the Seattle Kraken like yeah the Kraken were were great and I think they were a pleasant surprise for a lot of people who didn't expect them to get even past Colorado and then they make it to seven games against Dallas Vegas is a different beast yep they don't just have depth they have depth and star power and they come at you in waves it's March so it's Eichel it's Stone Um, they have so many different weapons on that team um even guys on the back end who can who can drop in and and make you pay so yeah they need ottinger to to be sharp but i feel like that goes for for everybody on dallas right like (laughs) gotta play better against vegas and i think it's gonna be a i think it's gonna be a really good series too um it's again like people who are complaining about the final four. Like you could handpick any one of these four people and make the case that they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And I think the matchups and the games are going to be better. Like the second round, sure, you had Toronto and you had Edmonton and you had, you know, the $10 million stars left, but those games were all blowouts and they were boring as crap. Like I did mm-hmm. not enjoy the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I'm tired this no, morning, but last night was great. I'd rather watch a good close hockey game with stakes, not a game that's over by the second period. And I think we're going to get a little bit more of that. You have more complete team games involved here, right? And I feel sure. like Vegas and Dallas are two teams that don't have a ton of holes um, oh God, absolutely. And I, they're just, they both have the star power. They both have the depth. I think I'm, what I'm curious about with the stars is, is Jason Robertson going to be primed for, for a breakout? I know internally, like I think guys in Dallas would tell you like they're sick of hearing about why is Jason yeah. Robertson not scoring? Like he's still point producing. He's the second, I think he's second on the team in points behind Rupa Hintz. So it's not like he's been bad per se, but when you think of Jason Robertson, he's a goal scorer and he has not been doing that. He has two goals in the first round of the playoffs, both on the power play. Um, so at five on five, his production hasn't been there. Um, but I think there's signs that it's coming, right? Especially Absolutely. in the second round. So he had in the second, he had 24 shot attempts at five on five. Mm-hmm. 22 shots on goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zero goals at five on five. Twenty-two shots on goals. We we. I probably yeah. think I wrote. I think I wrote this section in the I, in in the in the. I wrote it uh, down. Yeah, I mean, twenty-four 22, individuals. Twenty-four 20, individual scoring chances too. Like I said that you weren't listening. I said twenty-four. I think you said twenty-four shots. I'm sorry. Did I? Maybe I did. Twenty-four shot attempts. Twenty-two shots on goal zero goal so he's getting there <laughs> he's just not scoring yeah and in the no, regular I, I'm, season I'm at all situations he had a 15 he shot 15 percent in all situations in the playoffs he's shooting like five so the longer this goes you have to think that something's gonna give and it's probably only it's that stupid old cliche it's only gonna take one and then the dam's gonna open it's true maybe that maybe this is the time and he's back on the line with with Hinson Pavelski. But I think what's really special, I guess, what makes this Dallas team so impressive, I guess, or what makes them a cup contender is the fact that Jason Robertson is having a cold spell and it does not matter. They're in the third round of the playoffs last year. If there was something wrong with the top line in Dallas, they wouldn't have made it seven games against Calgary Flames, right? Because that was kind of 
what everybody said about the Dallas Stars last year is if you can lock down the first line well, you don't have a lot else coming at you. And that's not true anymore. And that's not true in Vegas either. So I think that's what's going to make this great is it's going to be it's going to be another battle. But I think it's going to be a bit more wide open. I think there's going to be a bit more like <laughs> compared mm-hmm. to the Florida Carolina series, mm-hmm. which I, again, I don't think is boring, but I think this one's going to be a little bit different in the style that no, they play. It's, it's I think just it's going to be a bit more open. It's got what you, it's got what you want. And you mentioned the, you mentioned the stars depth. I mean, it's, it's true. You know, we look at Wyatt Johnson scoring a huge goal in that last game, but he's been good beyond that You need to enunciate well. the T more on that because Dallas fans are mad at you for that specifically. I, are you serious? It's Wyatt Johnston. Yeah, that's what I said. I know, but I think people think you're saying Johnson. So I, Stars fans whatever. are upset. That's a ridiculous thing to get angry about. Okay. Wyatt Johnston had a big <laughs> goal in the last in the last <laughs> game and he's and he's been a good he's been a good player aside from that, right? Like he's yeah. a guy who's who's been who's given them good minutes that aren't just based around his own individual produ- production. Thomas Harley's been great. He's built not on, a Calder Trophy finalist, by the way. Uh, it's who do you take out? You know, Owen Power, Stuart Skinner. No, no, he can be top five. There's not, there's nothing wrong. And whatever, you know what? If I'm Wyatt John Stun, I'm saying <laughs> That's like not it either. Huh? It's not it either. Huh? What do you mean? John Stun. <laughs> no, it's um, Wyatt John Stun. <laughs> I shouldn't even have said anything. I'm just trying to protect. Whatever. He's he's playing right now and those other dudes aren't. So, oh well. Was he better than Owen Powell in the regular season? No. He had the same but amount of goals okay. as Maddie Beneers. I I don't care. Those guys were those guys had better regular seasons than he than Wyatt Johnston did. But he had the same amount of goals as Matty Beneers in I the underst- regular season. And Matty Beneers is like the that. guy who everyone thinks is going to win. Because he was better. And he and he was asked to do more than Wyatt Johnston was. Oh my God, that's annoying me. Okay, go on to Tar- Thomas Harley. I, there can only be three finalists. There's nothing wrong with Wyatt Johnston being fourth in the, in, <laughs> the, in, the, in, the, in the running here. <laughs> Thomas Harley has been good too. That's, that's, really, that's really all, all I want to say. What's the X factor for for Vegas? Like, what's the big one that you're? Are watching you just asking me to read my my series preview out loud here? Because I'll do it. I'm not a audiobook. I was thinking about while I was laying in my bed this morning, being like, "Get up!" I was like, "What if I got an AI generation of me to host the podcast this morning?" We. As uh, our profession, certainly our company should not propagate the use of AI in any way at all. <laughs> Stay out of that. It's hacky shit that's gonna that's gonna I was open up joking. a door. I'm being serious. <laughs> I wasn't gonna get like an AI, like Chat GB, whatever, Cheat PB. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You nailed it. All these people that are asking ChatGPT to write shit for them as like a bit. Yeah, I was going to get them to come on and hello, welcome to the Athletic Have you Coffee actually used show. this thing yet? I don't think you have. That's not how, that's not how, chat, that's not how ChatGPT works. No, but I've seen some TikToks on um, of people talking to the one on Snapchat and being like, and like telling the bot like, 
you know, the cat stole one of my cookies and like, they're like, I'm going to kill the cat. And then the AI is being like, don't kill the animal. I'm like, this is really the messed less, up. Like, the less said about this stuff, the better. Honestly, it's okay. We don't need to. <laughs> I'm going to go whine about AI for a while. Pardon, pardon me. Okay. Anyways, the Golden Knights. <laughs> X Factor, go! X Factor, uh, we gotta go with Riley Smith. I don't know. I'm, Can you I'm actually just, is it Riley Smith? The the Vegas X Factor? I think probably in, in, <laughs> yeah. some, in, some, in some capacity, right? Like, he was, he was a guy who kind of in the same space as March is so early, early in that series was not producing and also not doing what March so does away from the puck either. So he was sort of he was singled out at a certain point against Edmonton. I would imagine I would imagine he can be better. But I what I like most about Vegas honestly is the idea of having pairs on on lines. That's always that's always that's something that just conceptually appeals to me. It's something we've seen uh have success elsewhere. So the idea of having, you know, Eichel and March so as your anchor pair in the first and then Stone and Stevenson is your anchor pair on the second, and then Riley Smith and William Carlson is is the anchor pair on the on the third line. I think that's a, just generally a strong method for for uh, rolling out four relevant lines or, or or being able to roll a decent amount of a decent amount of uh, scoring talent. So we'll see. I'm psyched about this one. I'm way more interested in this one in, <laughs> than than uh, Kane's 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 Panthers. Let me tell you. That one sucks. Really? No. Flip a. If you make me choose, I'll go stars. I'll go stars Vegas. How about that? But I okay. think we're in for a couple good ones here. Just overall. Should we make our picks for these series? Series is is. I think it might be. T- I think it might be too late. But I at the start of it, I picked uh, Florida in Dallas. I think you I did. The Panthers? I, I am. I am on record. Yeah. <gasps> In how many games? Nine. Shut up. Be serious. Well, I they've already played one extra one, right? So I'm get I'm predicting that we're, that we're gonna stop it. Play three more overtime periods and then make stop it to it. game seven. Yeah, seven. and you're gonna have seven. a nice nap nap during. You pick them Don't both in seven. About. Panthers in seven, stars in six. I pick Canes in seven. And I think I did stars in six as well. It'd be foolish if you deviated from that at this point. You were on the stars from the start. You had uh, Rupa Hintz as your Con Smythe winner on, on day one. You can't. Not you can't from day one. From that. that was after the Bruins got kicked out. I want to make oh. a correction. Yeah. Fraudulent. I heard you say that on a podcast. No, you've said day one. I've never said day one. I said I picked Rupa Hintz last time. I picked him after round two when only 2.5% of staff deliberately Hintz, de- which was deliberately just me. Vague. No, no, I picked David Pasternak from the start. Who? Because that was sensible. You know, it made sense Whatever. at the time. You were, you were in on them early, so stick with them now. Stars and I six, am. is that what I you said? I picked stars, okay. yeah. In how many games? S- six. Okay. <laughs> You're not listening to me. I just, no, whatever. I want to be done here. <laughs> Goodbye. Okay. Um... <laughs> I don't think there was anything else to talk about anyways. We're doing a draft. We're back. The draft is back. Yay. We'll be right back.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, so that's right. As you heard from Sean, uh, actually quite rudely when he said, I don't want to be here. Let's do a draft. Uh, Let's go, you idiot. I need to say, hold on a second. Uh, I need to say that I got yelled at for that while we were taking a yeah, little break. Was that, was a, that, that was a joke. What if I had something joke. else I wanted to talk about? What if I wanted to dive I, in a bit I would more say to get, I would say Smythe to get another podcast instead of, ma- instead of making ours an hour and a half long. We Danielle can't do can it. I can't it have another two and a half hour more long podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, your sicko little podcast is totally Ugh. normal. That goes two I gotta, hours. I got I to gotta do that later too. Anyways, well, we're doing a draft here today. Um, and we're doing a draft of the Riot Fest lineup. So we're deviating from hockey because we've talked about that for an hour and a half. And I was up all yeah. night talking about it. The Riot Fest lineup That's came fun. up, came out this week it's mm-hmm. quite good as somebody who's i'm not i don't know all these bands but even i can look at this and say wow that's really good so i feel like that's going like to draft the that's bands. the goal that's the goal for a line for a festival lineup right is where someone who's whatever anybody can look at and just have like a passing reference with at least some with, with at least a few bands and be able to look at the top line and be like oh yeah shit i'll go to that you don't huh. have to be a sicko like me like yeah. yeah, and like you and Putting Danielle, on your reading glasses to look this down is at the for you guys, right? This is like line. top to bottom, even like in the bottom line of mm-hmm. the lineup. It's 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 all good stuff. Throughout. Is it just me, or do you not like reading the bottom of the lineup? I get confused. It I don't often read these lineup sheets. Where I'm like, it'll take like a week later. I'll be like, oh hey, I mean, I'm this midway. band. I'm I didn't midway. actually read that. I'm old enough now and out of it enough now where. Like the like the Coachella lineup is always just I midway through is when I completely phase out there. That used to not be the case, right? But for something like for something like Riot Fest, I mean, like for the love, you'll of God, read the whole thing. I mean, yeah, sure. These are like the bands at the bottom are, are ones are ones that I'm maybe not fans of, but at least at least aware of. And that's not sure. true for other for other festivals for me at this point. Sure, right. So everybody questioned my ethics last time we did a draft and I picked like 
items that had gluten in it, even though I once was able to eat gluten. So I know that pizza is good and pretzels are good. So I wasn't being a fraud, but this time I'm going to try to pick bands that I actually know and enjoy. However, I have the last pick, so I'm not sure if this is going to go well for me. So at the end, if I'm going rogue and you're like, what is she doing? It's because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm talking about. Riot Fest is September 15th, 16th, and 17th in Chicago at Douglas Park. Anybody who goes, plan ahead for transportation out of the venue because I did not a couple years ago and it did not go well for me. Hangry Sean. It was trudging around really Chicago. <laughs> we can we can have this conversation off mic. It was it was it was bad. Okay. Okay, so we're gonna do three round snake draft. Danielle is the first overall pick. Sean is the second overall. I have the third. This is probably for the best because again, I don't know what I'm doing. So Danielle, do you want to begin? <laughs> okay, so first pick, which you know, like, but so I'm going back and forth between obviously the Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. phenomenal live, Queens of Stone Age, also phenomenal live. That's my. That's between mm-hmm. the two. I gotta go. Foos. If if first pick, yeah. Dave to, Grohl. Yeah. <laughs> and I took Kaylee's top that's, pick. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. That's the guy. I love the Foo Fighters. <laughs> but I mean, that's like the no brainer. I have to take them. I. Do you believe I've never seen the Foo Fighters? You haven't. Nope. Uh, you know what? I think I might. I think I definitely worked a Foo Fighters show uh, probably f- probably twenty years ago at this point. Yeah. If not, if not twenty, then certainly really close to it. I feel like they were on a tour with um, with my morning jacket. Okay. If I remember that right, and my morning jacket was the was the was the opening act, and I watched and I watched. This is you know before foo, before foo shows were like Sp- Springsteen shows or or what or whatever whatever they are now. Um, but yeah, I haven't I haven't seen them in adulthood basically. Yeah, uh, because of my previous job, I've seen mm-hmm. them. Probably fifteen times, Jeez. in various because they for a while they'd play every you know K Rock show every, you know they'd play at the station stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I've seen them. I've seen them a bit, uh, but yeah, gotta go. No brainer, first choice. So okay, so it, it, here's here here's what I'm thinking about here. For my first overall pick, I am going to pick Queens of the Stone Age. I've seen them before. They are a blast, and it's a sound that transfers well to festivals. There's mm-hmm. a lot of other bands there that I like more on this list, but you got to have an anchor an anchor tenant, I think, when you're doing this sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I've, I've seen, man, seen, seen, a few, seen them a few years ago. Truly had a, had a great time. Um, and then, um, but also among the, among the headliners, um, as much as I like the postal service record, I'm just not, I'm, I don't believe that that's going to translate in, into a festival environment and I haven't cared about death cap for cutie since 2008. So yeah, that's the pick. I'm going to take turnstile. Ooh. Yeah, of course you are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know them. I I I said to Danielle yesterday, I was like, Turnstile kind of slaps. God. <laughs> she was like, oh God. You <laughs> they do. I mean, they do indeed slap. They do's indeed slaps. Sean just saw them at the Blink concert. They were pretty good, yeah. How the, like how, yeah, how did they translate to a bigger uh, venue? the room was a little big for them. Right. Um that's rude. I don't think that's necessarily their fault. I don't know how large a portion of the 20,000 people who were seeing Blink were there for them. Um, 
in the stage shows just like they're a punk band right like they don't they they weren't using screens they weren't using stagecraft or anything like that it was just a it was a punk show with a with a banner with a band name behind them and yeah they they did their best like will that be better to think like something like riot fest though because like they've moved up from being like on smaller stages to being a friday headliner i think the people who well, co-headliner. In my experience, in my experience opener? at Riot Fest, there's no, like anybody who's anybody who's headlining is going to have people losing their minds over, right? right. And, and it's just an environment that's a lot more conducive uh, to a band like them. And yeah, they're they're going to be complete. I mean, turn, that that fan base a is intense and wild and has been for years, and also has exploded, you know, with the release of that last record. So people are going to go there. Absolutely, people are going to go there just to see them. And I and anybody who is at that show just to see them. A couple of days ago, like there were ten dorks, and they were at the fr- they were at the front of the pit, right? And that's <laughs> not going to be the case. It turns out that that is going to be a fun. That's like that's a must see. That's a must see set for sure. Yeah, I like them. Um, okay, since we're doing a snake, dra- <laughs> <laughs> they're good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they are fun. I, I like turnstile. Good. Good band. <laughs> good. Good sound. Good vibes. I saw them at the Palladium a couple months ago. That's a, mm-hmm. like a 5,000 person venue. Uh, I love that in the playlist before they jump on, they play uh, Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's great. And everyone just like That's breaks it. out and sings along. They yeah. know how to play to a 5,000 seat crowd. I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure they're, they're not quite there yet for as the opener for, you know, in front of 20,000 people, but that's okay. Yeah. We'll get there. Okay. So next I'm going to take Pup. <sighs> this is... Okay. Why? I like them. You know that. <laughs> we they all are love them. I'm from saying. Toronto. Everybody, They're yeah. great. Big fan. Very good sad girl anthems from that band. Pup? Little <laughs> 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 like, sad girl songs. <laughs> okay. They're like they're like a quarter turn away from being like a dude's rock band, but that's that's fine. I think Totally Fine is a great sad girl song. <laughs> like, yeah, I am fine. Anyways, I pick Pup. And you can't say that this is dumb because I actually like them. I'm not being, I'm not picking pretzels just to screw with you. So. <laughs> it's it's dumb it. because I wanted to pick them. That's Yeah, we, it's great all, that the only all. two bands that I actually listen to yeah. are good <laughs> Was, Sucks to suck. <laughs> I was going to give you a chance to pick Maybe them you shouldn't have taken Who Fighters. Just kidding, Danielle. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Sean, go ahead. How dare you? Time to go down the list. Second spot. I'm picking Braid. Um, Ooh. Emo Legends Braid. This is in Chicago, too. They are they are a Chicago band. Somewhat famously went to University of Illinois. Came up in, Cham- in Champaign. Um, that, in my experience, is always... That needs to be a consideration when you're talking about festival sets. Is go see a hometown hero, because uh, the vibes are going to be are going to be really really good. I mean, I love the Lawrence Arms, but that was another element to to the Lawrence Arms set that I saw at, at Riot Fest. Is those guys are, you know, kings of Chicago, and the crowd uh, the crowd responded accordingly. So yeah, man, Kimmy Braid been great for a long time. Um, the last record they put out was actually was actually pretty good. And uh, I don't know, Bob Bob Nan is the man. He's made a lot of rec- a lot of music that that I've that I've loved over the few years. So I'll I'll take Braid in the Chicago crowd and be very happy about it. 
Okay. So, Interrupters. Wow. Fantastic ska punk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen them small venues, ska? big venues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that like the jazz? Like, skippity scoop up. <sighs> that, <sighs> that was a joke. Not the song. That you was a about joke. ska. <laughs> Here you go. We can do a ska playlist next. Guess I, guess, <laughs> guess I know how I have to spend my weekend now. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so and now we move on to mustard plug. Okay. Mustard plug Here come the Aquabats. Super red. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to go with the Bronx. As my the Bronx. <laughs> the Bronx. Really stupid joke. <laughs> Those, you, don't, you can confuse Scott with scatting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, Bronx Bronx are, the Bronx are a so great stupid. live band. They are Phenomenal. a great live band. And I don't remember who told me this, but they, the way they explained the Bronx was is a, if ACDC was a punk band. Like it's, just like the that's simple true. riffs. Oh God, they've been, um, around, for, they've been around for so yeah, long now. Yeah, been around man. for so long and they're so damn good live. Have you uh, ever seen Mariachi El Bronx? I have. They open, I saw. I actually saw them open for the Foo Fighters. <sighs> I didn't even know that happened. See, didn't even know that happened. All right. So, so I'm trying to figure out who to who to go from for my third pick here. And this this isn't nec- again, as I've said, this isn't necessarily about the bands that I like the most or the records that I've liked the most over the year. You're trying to curate curate an experience. Um, that's how we're supposed to be doing this. That's how I'm doing. That's yeah. how I'm doing. <laughs> you approach it, it however you want, Haley. <laughs> Thank you. Do as, do as you please. <laughs> Skitty bop. Skip it up. I'm gonna scat. <laughs> I'm actually quite embarrassed. <laughs> Just get over it. It's okay. I'm the picking, producer will edit I'm picking, it all right. I'm picking Thursday. Yeah. You're picking what? Thursday. Okay. Thursday. Um, at one point Thursday was certainly my favorite band. I haven't seen them. I mean, they've been intermittently broken up and whatever over the years. I haven't seen them live in God knows how long. And I'm gambling on the fact that this crowd, and I, I know it's not much of a gamble because I because I, I do know the demographics here. I am assuming that this crowd is going to be also full of 37-year-old nerds who are like, I need to go see, I need to go see Thursday. And I think that's going to happen. So we'll have a little... You know, quasi basement show vibe in uh, somewhere in somewhere in Douglas Park. The ones I pa- I did not draft the Mars Volta. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean the Cure is also like they're a great band too. Yeah, but, that's not yeah. like Mars Mars Volta. That's not it's not going to work. I, I think yeah. I, I'll just leave it. I'll leave it at that. Um, there's there's some other there's a lot of other bands on there that I liked. I don't know. I don't know. I would. <laughs> I almost picked. What God's is Tegan Black and Ramper, Sarah honestly. doing? Tegan and Sarah. Tegan and I bet they'll they're, be great. Yeah. I know, like, I I know, but I was I wasn't like, expecting I to see them, them pop too. up on I've a seen, Riot Fest lineup. Yeah. I've seen Parliament like enough times to, I've seen P Funk enough times to pass. Like they they they, they would always play like free shows here. So I, and it's, yeah, a, it's, see, it's it's a blast. It's great. Yeah. It's a it, it's a blast. But I've I've Been done there. that already. Yeah. Last pick, Haley. <laughs> I'm just wondering, did Tegan and Sarah like? go from doing like are they a bit more like indie versus like pop or are they still like an indie pop sound like i feel like i haven't I mean, heard they make them songs that are in stuff. like oreo commercials now right right but they're at a riot fest lineup i think that makes sense i think there's a lot of people like, out I saw there that, them at that are going to want to hear like that are going to want to hear them at like a, the last festival i saw them at was like with frank ocean porter robinson it was like 
I know they're like Canadian, that. but I believe that they've been making records for a little bit longer than you're aware of. And and I, and I, I am aware I, of I think how long fan, they've been I think making their fan base here for. is probably is is maybe a little bit different than it is in Canada. I wasn't saying that they're new and bad. I was just saying does their sound translate to a pop punk festival. Or I a think punk there, I festival. think that's what I'm saying. I think there's a lot of overlap mm-hmm. with that. Maybe like sound wise, not necessarily, but I know that there's a lot of people at this show who are gonna like. 19 is going to come on or something whenever they play and, and people are going to lose their minds. I think a Fun. lot of pe- I think a lot of people at this festival l- either actively like or have in the past liked Tegan and Sarah. I, I think I think it makes sense. Even though I like, like I, them. Even though like I'm I said, just asking a question. They're writing songs for Oreo commercials and shit now. <laughs> um, well, see, this is tough for me. Mm. Corey Feldman. Are they not your? Are they not your pick? <laughs> yeah, it. I, yeah, I hope it's some other. Is that the actual Corey Feldman or just some band? Just the band name. Yeah. <laughs> or then they probably get sued and they have to change it to like Corey Corey Feldman Experience. Cor- like, or yeah, like the, like either Corey Feldman Experience or like the uh, when Dan Aykroyd had to change their name to like Dan and Dan Aykroyd. That's right. <laughs> Haley, we need a pick. Um, I might panic. You in a draft. No, I'm trying no, to stay no, calm. No, no, no. All that like all that preamble about Tegan and Sarah for you to just not take them. Are you are you serious? <laughs> She's gonna go with ICP instead. I I almost picked I almost <laughs> picked ICP Heights. for the experience. Hawthorne Heights. Hawthorne Heights. <laughs> AFI. <laughs> the only AFI song I know is Miss Murder because it was on Much Music. Video shows all the time, and it scared me. AFI would be a play; would be set list dependent for me. I, yeah. I would say. I'm gonna, I'm, Haley, I'm gonna give you some old school hardcore AFI. That will figure out. Okay. Yeah, Danielle made me a playlist. I didn't get to listen to the whole thing yet. You could just play what it like. Just they should just do like an uh, album show for the art of drowning, and I'd be happy with that. Yeah. What's the pick? Okay, I'll take Tegan and Sarah. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> the Lego song really did it for me. Hawthorne Heights. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Bullied for soup. I thought we liked them. I also, I had like, I We had, do not. <laughs> we don't like Hawthorne Heights. No. no. <laughs> did something bad They are happen? not on my playlist. Just not into them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not anti-mall emo, but that yeah. but that Who's was the band you got but... tickets for in Chicago? Huh? Didn't you have I thought you had tickets to go see them in Chicago. Hawthorne Heights? <laughs> What's the band? Are you are you conf- Oh, you are confusing Hawthorne Heights with the Hold Steady. That is unbelievable. <laughs> you are the first person to have ever done that. Only well, so much I never much said this I was going to, to Riot it. Fest, so it's fine. <laughs> I just wanted to do this for you guys. <laughs> okay. Fair. Yeah, right. Well, who won the draft? I think I did pretty well. Well, should we put I, the should we put another listener poll up? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I stayed true to my Canadian roots. That is true. You did, that pick, yeah. like. you did pick two Canadian bands. Yeah. You got Turnstile Pop and Tegan and Sarah. I think that's, people, yeah, that's, I, I think you I think in terms of mass appeal. For the people I who think I'm gonna win. Something like that. I think I think you're gonna win. Right. That's right. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. See everybody at Riot Fest in Chicago. Tell you if you would have picked Hawthorne Heights, you would have won. Riot Fest. I, guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
Wait, I think Sean's going to see them. They must be good. Oh my God. I don't know what they are at all. I apologize to everyone listening. Riot Fest, if you're listening to this, um, you can send us tickets and we'll talk about you some more on another edition <laughs> of The Athletic Hockey Show. And also, if you're not a subscriber, you can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show to get an annual subscription for $2 a month for 12 months. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.